Hey guys, we have Stephanie Martina. Uh, we're going to be talking about the occult, the new age. And the thing is, some Christians, some people who profess to be Christians, they are getting involved in those things. And those things are prohibited. You're not allowed to do that. You know, if you read the scripture, you know, God speaks out against that. So, Stephanie, um, you could go ahead and share, um, share your testimony with us and let us know how you came to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Hello, I just want to say hi to everyone who is watching and I pray that this video is a blessing to you. I know that you're probably here for a reason, so welcome um, and thank you Lord for this opportunity. Yeah. So just sharing with you a little bit of my testimony about how I came to the cross. Uh, I was actually um, raised by my grandparents. So when I was seven, my I was separated from both my parents and within a matter of two days, I moved to a different country. So I was raised in Croatia and then I moved to Australia when I was six. My mum went on to serve a five-year prison sentence as soon as we came back and I spent the next five years in prison. Uh, sorry, not in prison. I spent the next five years with my grandparents. So, Yeah, I've been yeah, to Croatia. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I've been to Croatia. Beautiful country, isn't it? Yeah, I served in the yeah. Navy, so I was in Croatia. This is this. Let me show it to you as a matter of fact. This is right here. <laughs> Croatia. Right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so That's I just so cool. To do that. Yeah. That's like when you said, um, I'm from Mexico. I was like, hey, I've been there too. <laughs> That's yeah, pretty like cool. This. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I was in a foreign country. I didn't speak a word of English. I left my dad behind, didn't get to say goodbye. And my grandparents raised me for the next five years. So they are incredibly devout Catholics. And so part of having me in their home, they wanted to make sure that I was also a devout Catholic. So if anyone's watching here and they're not quite sure about what the difference is between Christianity and Catholicism, um, Catholicism, they like to call themselves the Church of Christ but I wouldn't even call them a denomination of Christianity because their beliefs and their uh, rituals, their traditions are so contrary to scripture. They incorporate a lot of pagan beliefs. So they worship Mary, they worship angels. Uh, they call the priest father when the Bible says, call no man your father, except for, except for God. Uh, they worship idols and yeah, so yeah just, yeah. yeah. And it is, it's, it's, mix of Babylonian beliefs dating mm -hmm. very long ago. Uh, but essentially that's what my grandparents wanted to raise me up as. And so I was already introduced to God a little bit prior to that. My mom did talk about him sometimes and I was taken to church. I was baptized. I was christened, you know, really just getting into Catholicism already. But um, yeah, I was put into a Catholic primary school and not having my parents around really encouraged me to actually seek out the higher power that instinctively I knew existed. I knew that there was something beyond this physical reality from a very young age. And I wanted to, felt like I could serve this higher power. And I think that was just, you know, filling the gap for not having my parents around. My grandparents are beautiful people they were great supporters and they showed a lot of love but from a very young age I always felt like I was very independent and had to raise myself in many ways 
but I wanted to project everything to serving who I thought was God at that time, which um, was in Catholicism. And so I got involved in the church. My grandma would already take me every week to church, but I became an altar girl. I started to read up on the altar, uh, prepare the table for the Eucharist, hold the Bible up for the priest while he's reading the Gospels. And at that time, I thought that's what it meant to serve God. I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. I didn't get into the word. I didn't have that kind of discernment that you would now when you actually understand scripture and the truth that God has revealed to us in the true Bible, not the good news Catholic Bible. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) But as I got older, I started to see a lot of hypocrisy within the church members and something just didn't feel right. It was very dry. It was very religious. I didn't feel any joy. Um, People were quite serious. They didn't really express the love that I knew existed out there. And so when I was 12, my mom came out of prison. um, And from then on, we just began to move different commission housing. And I was no longer obligated whilst I wasn't under my grandma's roof anymore to attend At this time, you're in Australia. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you. At this time, you're in Australia, right? I'm in Australia, yeah. Okay, so when your mother got out of prison, that's where you was at? Yeah, so this no. is all in Australia. Right, right, because yeah. it's my too late year. Because you had moved from Croatia, now you live in Australia. Yeah, so I, that was, um, yeah, I was living in my grandparents' house in Australia. So my whole family was still overseas. Everyone was overseas. Mum mm-hmm. brought me back here with her when she moved to Australia, and then that's when she went to serve the prison sentence she was actually um in an abusive relationship my dad was very very abusive and yeah that's what caused her to flee the country and she took me with her so she managed to get emergency passports and that's where I am now ever since so uh she came out and we were moving foster housing uh, not foster housing sorry commission housing and is yeah, that just growing houses? Is is that just like in the states? What they call it? Uh, they call it a project, or they call it the uh, yeah in the United States, like a project where the government so, helps you. Yeah, it's like government funded housing. Yeah, in Australia, yeah, exactly. You call it housing and, projects in the United States. Yeah. Oh, really? Housing projects. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> that's, that's the, yeah, it's kind of like. Um, they call it Section 8. That's where the government, they receive, um, you know, government uh, help for um, their rent and also they get help for um, for groceries, for food too. Right. Yeah, so very similar, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, just growing up in high school, I was a very huge outcast, didn't fit into any group. And I always just had this deep desire to understand truth and the greater mysteries that uh, in this world, I, I think I, I grew up in my own bubble a little bit. And so whilst I was just in my own, in my own space, I'd observe creation and I couldn't deny the existence of there being a magnificent creator. I looked at the detail of everything around me and I, I could not believe in evolution. Um, I knew that there was a higher spiritual reality and this curiosity just started to really grow within me to understand the truth about 
what exists in our world and to understand the deeper mysteries. I was no longer really um, taking heed to the doctrines that I was brought up with regarding Catholicism. I wanted to discover the truth for myself. I didn't want that something to be spoon-fed to me. I didn't agree with Catholicism and I knew that there was a greater truth and that's what I wanted to go out and, and search for and to find. Um, Were you and able, I decided, quick question, I'm sorry, Scripture. Were you able to okay. when you moved to Australia? Because you're moving from a different culture, right? Because you, you didn't speak English in Croatia, right? So you had to learn English in, um, in um, Australia. You had to assimilate. Because I know it's the same for me, like when I moved to the United States, I had to assimilate into the culture because I don't speak, you know, I had to learn English because my uh, first language is Creole and French. So when we moved there, and so how did you, was, was it hard for you to assimilate or did you, was it, you know, how did you assimilate into that culture? Well, this is where God's grace really came into my life. I, when I moved to Australia, my grandmother enrolled me in a primary school uh, which taught Croatian and Italian as languages, as a subject. So the teachers would actually uh, take time away to take me out of class and to teach me English. <laughs> so the Croatian teachers, instead of teaching me Croatian, like as, as an English student, they would um, teach me English. And so that's how I started to slowly learn English. So I'd go home to my grandparents who only speak Croatian and then I'd go to school and they'd speak English. So it was a really beautiful way to slowly learn. And I think, you know, when you're young, you've got more plasticity in your brain. It's a bit easier to learn a new language. But, yeah, the culture was different, you know. I grew up on the coast, so I was constantly running around, out and about and, yeah, it just kind of like changed a little bit in Australia. Things are a little bit more structured. Uh, but yeah, I can definitely sense God's grace in, in all of it, particularly in the way that he allowed me to adapt to the new country. So <laughs> yeah, God's grace. I'd, I'd put it down to the primary school and the teachers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So and it's cool. not, yeah, it's actually not common to have a primary school here in Australia, the teachers. Uh, Croatian as a language. It's do, they just have a large, it, do they have a large Croatian population in Australia? Uh, I'm not too sure in Australia, but I know that the area that I moved to, there was a lot of a lot of Croatians. So right. I think that's why they introduced it as a language there. Yeah. 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 yeah so they probably have a, a maybe a decent population. So that, you know, because I know, like in. Uh, you know, in Florida, they have, you know, at some in some of the schools, you know, the kids could speak Creole. And because Miami has a lot of, have a large Haitian population. So I think it's like certain places where there's a large population of immigrants, they will have, um, teach that language in the school and make it easier for yeah. the kids to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I suppose that's what happened. And it turned out to be a huge blessing. So praise God. And then, yeah, just through, throughout high school, I'd spend a lot of time by myself in lunchtimes and I'd just write. I'd have a journal and I'd just write philosophies and was so 
intrigued in metaphysics and understanding our supernatural reality and would have conversations with myself about, you know, about life, about existence, about what happens when we leave this earth, what happens to our soul, it's eternal, Um, what is the power beyond what what we perceive as power and just started asking myself more questions. And when I was 16, um, we moved to this final house, this final commission house, and it was so spiritually dark and just there was so much demonic activity that occurred in that home. And it's natural. It's what happens when your home is not covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's really open to the atmosphere being oppressed spiritually, especially when, you know, you're, engaging in a sinful life you're already opening doors to the demonic and I was already entertaining ideas of the occult at that time and ideas of new ageism so you know I was allowing these things into my life as well and uh yeah I had an experience one day where I was in my bed and a spirit was trying to rip my astral body out of my physical body and there was just so much fear and I went into paralysis and I was seeing my body on on my bed but I could see everything else around me. I could see my mum in the next room and I'm crying out to her, but she's not answering. And the, spirit to, the spirit trying to take your soul up. Well, astral projection, in a sense, is you have your astral body and you've got your physical body and people can actually leave their, they leave their physical body and travel in the astral plane. So, you know... Um, it's a thing. <laughs> so so was, and, that, was that what the spirit was trying to take? Was, you said, because you said you feel like um, the spirit was trying to uh, take your body, right? Well, yeah, it's it's like it wasn't voluntary. You right. know, I so didn't it was have the any astral body. It was the astral body. It was the astral body. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's why I was trying to, that's why I was saying earlier, I think that's what happened to me when I had that astral, I think it was my astral body that left my physical body where I'm yeah. able to see myself in my bed. So is that the same kind of experience that, you know, that was happening to you? Yeah. So you see yourself sleeping on the bed, although I wasn't separated. Like there's, there's different ways your, your astral body can actually separate from your physical body right. um, and you can hover or you're still connected to your physical body, but you're sort of sitting up while your physical body is like, laying down so that's right. what was happening to me at that point I was sitting up and I could see the room and I know my physical body was on the floor and then um on the bed and when I went back into my body it's sort of like a gradual recline and then you just go into a paralysis your whole body's like shaking that's is that what happened did you did you enter paralysis well the thing is what happened is um like I was telling you like before I went to sleep, I felt so much fear in my body. So like, yeah. uh, when I went to sleep, like I just felt like I went to sleep and I was praying. I felt so much fear in my body. And when I went to, uh, when I got in, in my bed, the soul just, I felt like you said, it's the astral body. Cause you know more about, those, about this than me, but I guess it was, I don't think you said it was the astral body. It was not the soul. So my body just left. And then I went up in the uh, in the sky, and I could see myself. I could see my body in my bed. So, right. But when I hit this, I just I think my astral body just hit the sky or something, and I see it's all dark. 
And then I sold my body language, man. And then I just came, it was maybe a few seconds, and then I, I don't know how long it was, and then I just came right back. Yeah. Well, well, it's interesting because going, you know, going into like new ageism, it is known as the astral body, but how do you know? Like, you know, it's not the soul, <laughs> you know, yeah. you really, you really, you really don't know. But in, in the, in the world of new ageism, it is, it is classified as the astral, astral body. It's your non-physical body. But again, it's, you, you really don't know how to draw yeah, that like, line. What exactly is, is it? Like, <laughs> yeah. By and, is, it, is it, but I mean, do we have uh, a, a second body or is it the soul? Like, I don't, see, I don't really know. Well, see that that's the mystery is because it's it's not your physical body, but you can't really know whether it's an astral body or the soul or whether they're the same thing. You just know it's your non it's a non physical body, and then the world of New Age it's called the astral body. So it could be a secondary body. You know, Paul talks about being caught up in the third heaven. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, there's biblical precedent to suggest that we can leave our body and and yeah, spiritually yeah. spiritually go into another place, but yeah. Um, whether it's the soul, like you know, Paul doesn't even talk about whether it's a soul or an astral body. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't. He, he didn't know himself. So yeah, what? Tell the it audience. Is a yeah, so tell the audience so they could look that up. I think it's in uh, Corinthian, right? Second Corinthian. I don't know. Oh, uh, I wouldn't know if by heart. Yeah, because I wanted to. Uh, let me see. Because I wanted to tell them that because this is. Yeah. You know, it's very important because people think that oh you're Christian or were you involved in witchcraft? Maybe that's why your body, no. It happens to the Apostle Paul. Um, yeah. So I think um, yeah, I, I had to, I, I read it. Um, let me see what, I'm going to tell them exactly if they want to look it up. Yeah, good idea. You know, so this is a very uh, important subject because there's a lot going on in the spiritual realm. And the Bible says, you know, in Hosea, my people perish for lack of knowledge because mm -hmm. a lot of Christians, they kind of, you know, they don't really know what's going on. It's like, the thing is, they don't try to know. You know, it's not good yeah. to be ignorant because if you're going to go to war with your enemy, you need to know what's going on. You know, yeah. so uh, Paul mentioned that, I just put it up on, um, yeah, so he mentioned this on, uh, yeah, I was right, Second Corinthians, verses 12, 1 to 4. Chapter 12, verse 1 to 4. Right. So that's the same thing that happens to him when he, um, when he had the same experience that I had, that you had. Um, yeah. So, so what happened after that? Like, once, once that happened to you? Yeah. I just want to also touch as well. You know, the Bible is clear. We have to watch and pray. Not just pray, but watch. That means always yeah. keep alert about things that are happening in the world, things that are, you know, experiences that people have and actually know how to, relate to other people who are having these experiences to be able to explain it to them and you it know, says, a lot of people yeah it says do not do not be ignorant of the devil's schemes you cannot be ignorant. Life, yeah. you cannot just, just keep your head in the sand when you in a spiritual warfare it's yeah like, they, you know it's like some people they don't know what's going on like i've seen demonic spirits before the lord showed me demonic spirits you know, the Lord took my body and took me to hell. My soul, took, the Lord took my soul to hell. So I know some of the things that's going on in the spiritual realm. And when I saw, when I had this experience, I talk about that on my channel. When I had the, uh, when I saw the demon, 
this is what happened. I finished praying and I was getting ready to leave my bed. Then a spirit came into my room. The, the spirit sat down on a chair and she kept looking at me. So it was a demonic spirit that took the form of a female. Because, you know, they could take forms. They could take but, Yeah. And she had a bandana. As a matter of fact, she kind of looked like my mother a little bit. And uh, she just kept looking at me the whole time, just really angry, just really. When she walked into the room, the whole room was filled up with uh, like darkness. You felt so much fear. It's like a fear. Yeah. That, it's a fear that you could actually feel. And you mm -hmm. felt so much fear in that room. I felt so much fear. And though she kept looking at me, then the Lord said, say Jesus. Once I say Jesus, then she left. But the whole time, just so much, I never felt so much fear in my life. Like, like, is a, I think the Bible talks about that. It's a, is a, um, a darkness where you could feel it. You know, you could feel that darkness. You could feel the hate in that room. I don't know what I did to, you know, whatever spirit. And um, the spirit had so much hate for me. And so, like I said, she, she just looked like my mother a little bit. I'm like, wow, this, this amazing experience that I had. So, but it's not about me, it's about you. <laughs> I just wanted to see. You know? So, so would you say that demon took the form of the image of your mother? Yeah, yeah, she kind of because obviously like, they form. Yeah, she kind of looked like my mother. It, it kind of looked like my mother, like my mother a little bit. Um, she had the bandana wrap around her head, and um, yeah, she they could do that. They could take the form of people. That's the reason why. Yeah, absolutely. The, the Bible said, "Do not worship angels," because because you know, especially in Latin America, somebody will say, "Oh, we see an angel," and then they'll build like an altar to them, and then people will go there and go pray to these altars, and people do not realize that those are fallen angels. Those are fallen angels that masquerade as people as as uh, angels of light. The Bible said that they could take the form of a holy angel but it's really a fallen angel and yeah so, so we have to be careful about that yeah i think though the underlying reason why we are not to worship angels or anything else is because god deserves all of the glory right only to him are we to worship he is the only one that deserves all of our heart and our attention our heart can't be divided by worshiping anything or anyone other than god he's the one and only god the only true god beside him above him there's none other and no one else deserves to even compare to his throne. So, you know, you're worshiping angels, but they're created beings. <laughs> they're created yeah, by God, right. you know. So I think part of our sinful nature is we tend to put things in the place of God. Obviously, yeah. when you come into a relationship with the Lord, hopefully that's not the case. But people put things in the place of God and then they get carried away. It's, it's very confusing. It's like we were, we were designed and created to have fellowship and to worship and to glorify the God of all of creation. And that's the folly in a lot of um, counterfeit spiritualities and religions is that they want you to worship an idol, a fo false yeah. God. Um, the Bible says all the nation, all the gods of the nations are idols. They are. They're not, they're not God. And idolatry you know, is one of the greatest sins. They are yeah. demons. They're really demons. That's what they are. You know, because... Um, all those super gods, they are just demonic spirits. And and uh, I think 
you know, you know, when I read the Bible, that's one thing that I'm not really sure of because like some people, you know, the Bible talks about fallen angels, the Bible talks about demons. A lot of Christians say fallen angels uh, and demons are the same thing. I don't know that for a fact because Jesus said, Jesus seemed to um, distinguish between fallen angels. I mean, they both are fallen. I mean, like they both like are evil spirit, but I think there might be a difference. Like there might be, one might be stronger than the other one, you know, but they both are condemned. They both are all like belong to uh, serve Satan. Um, the fallen angels, demonic, they serve Satan. Satan is their God. That's who have power over them. You know, you understand what I'm saying, right? I mean, God have power over all crea creation, but the devil has his own people that, you know, he, that listens to him, that take orders from him. Those are the fallen angels. Those are the um, demonic spirits. But that's what I'm trying to, sometimes I'm trying to figure out is the demonic spirits. I think the demonic spirits and the fallen angels, they both uh, work for Satan, but I think the fallen angels might be more powerful. The reason I, I said that is because people I know that's a witchcraft, they seem to, they seem to think so. They seem to think the fallen angels are more powerful than the demons. I don't know if you, you know, what you think about that. Um, we even look at the word demon. I think, I don't think that was even introduced until like much, much later in different translations. Cause I look at the King James version, which I believe is God's yeah, true and holy word yes. in the preserved English, in the yeah. English language. Um, I believe it only says, no, I, I do believe that it's God's true and authentic words in the English language that there's yeah, yeah. no following with it. That's that's what I read. I read the King, King James. Yeah, the King James to me is is I don't it's great. I love that's what I read. That's what I study. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually it's not even a translation, it's a transliteration. And it comes yeah. from the preserved manuscripts that originated in Antioch, yeah. which is where the Christians first started. Where you, you look at a lot of the modern translations, they come from the corrupted uh, manuscripts that originated in Alexandria, Egypt. And the people that started the texts and the manuscripts that actually lead to the modern translations weren't even God-fearing people. And yeah. you look at the modern translations and the, and the changes are so subtle, but there's so many verses that are omitted, that are changed. Um, I'll be making a video about that on my channel yeah, very this shortly. One, this, one, this one translation that I was reading, I feel like my spirit was not right. So I had to get rid of it when we got the new, uh, got the King James version, got the new King mm -hmm. James version. You could get both of them. I have both of them, but I just felt when I was reading it, I don't remember what version it was. Maybe it could have been the um, New World. Is it what's the name of it? There's the New World. The New World translation. Oh, was actually... it? Or was it? I don't remember which version. I don't remember because it was a while ago. But when I was reading it, I felt like. Ah, I I feel like the whole shit was not, I feel like it was not right. I didn't yeah. feel like comfortable reading it. So I got yeah. rid of it. I'm not reading that. But I don't know which version. It could have been the ESV. I don't, I don't, I don't remember. It was a yeah. while. The New World Translation is Jehovah's Witness. Oh, yeah, yeah. It could have been that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you'll just see the fruits of your walk with God. There's so many, you know, I suggest if anyone wants to actually look deeper into this, look into gail ripplinger who exposes um all modern translations she's a fabulous woman in the body of christ and she has spent a lot of her life really investigating into the issue of 
the Bible version um, controversy, the changes are so subtle that you wouldn't notice, like say, for instance, if I'm reading an NLT or an NIV right now, they're not completely obvious changes. But then you look at some scriptures, you look at passages, you start comparing it and you realise there are so many changes um, that just show that the modern translations are literally all pushing towards the New World Order, and this is probably a little bit too much right. to digest. <laughs> but the, the <laughs> NIV, the how do you feel about the NIV? NIV, nah. Is that good? It's nah. All yeah, the modern that, translations, that, I wouldn't, that, I wouldn't read. Yeah, I think it could have been the NIV because I remember I got it at Walmart. It could have been the NIV. I don't know if you guys have Walmart here, but in the state we have this uh, big uh, supermarket. Yeah. Like to 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 just um name some examples. Um I don't know the the verse and the chapters off by heart. Um, but we look at you know the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but to us who are saved, it is the power of God. Whereas you look at the modern translations, they say, you know, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but to us who are being saved. It is the power of God. So just changing from are saved to yeah. being saved is already suggesting that salvation is a process, meaning it could be hinged upon works. Right. Or, um, you know, they make Jesus out to be a liar when, you know, um, Jesus was going up to the feast, but he said, um, no, I'm not going up to this feast yet, but yeah. my hour has not yet come. Whereas the modern translations just say, I'm not going up to this feast. And they take out the yeah. word yet, which we know he did go up to the feast. So, you know, just just little changes like that show that man's obviously corrupted God's words. The yeah, King maybe, James Version is... Yeah, maybe in yeah. the future, maybe we could do a video, do something on that. But but with the... Definitely. Uh, yeah, let's get, let's get, to, let's get back mm-hmm. to the topic of the occult. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. And talk about that, how... You got into it or you know how you became yeah. from it and um, yeah right <laughs> yeah so uh it was at that time where I had that experience of my astral body being ripped out of my physical one um that I just started to realize there's, <laughs> there's a lot of darkness in this house there was pointless arguments happening within within our home and so I moved back to my grandparents and I was in the room one day and I came across an article Mind you, I felt like such an outcast, no belonging um, whatsoever. And this article that I came across was about indigo children. So for those of you who don't know, it is a new age concept describing a breed of supernatural children that have said to have started occurring about the 1970s and are here to help shift humanity and mankind into higher states of consciousness. So it went through some of the uh, criteria that you would find within a indigo child and it went through things like um, often feel like they don't fit in, you know, they're highly sensitive beings, they have a strong desire to change the world, uh, they can be very intuitive and I was reading all of this and everything just seemed to click and make sense and I felt like I had just adopted my identity I just realized why I felt so different this was ticking all the boxes 
Um, one of the criteria was even, you know, they're often misdiagnosed with ADHD. And so that to me was another thing because my mum said that I was diagnosed with it when I was younger, although I have my own beliefs behind that now. I approach that spiritually. Um, but that just kick-started my whole journey into the new age. From that, I started to just obsessively dive deep into anything mystical, anything to do with new ageism. So I started to go from astrology to numerology to palmistry to learning about the chakras. So they're the seven different energy systems within uh, the, the soul. And I started to just understand about the auras and crystals, crystal healing, uh, channeling energy, you know, all of these things that seemed to be so intriguing and had so much spiritual depth, which almost filled a void that Catholicism seemed to reject. So here I was finding some spiritual truth that there was this spiritual reality and that I could dive deep into it and that I could use it and that I could be a part of it and it almost gave me a sense of purpose and value and that's what the new age does to a lot of people is that it hooks you in because it seems to give you a personal power a place of belonging you see a lot of people starting to adopt you know I'm a I'm a light worker or um, you know I've been here over many lifetimes I'm here to heal people and just it's fosters that desire within people to uh, be of service and to engage in mystical spirituality. But at the same time, it's rejecting the truth in Jesus Christ. So Satan is trying to appeal to the design that we know we're aware of. We know we have a supernatural design where we're, we were created to have a supernatural relationship with our creator and people pursue that. And they, they tap into new ageism because it adheres to that. It seems to, you know, approach that awareness and feed it but it's not doing it in a way that leads to truth satan is leading you into deception mm -hmm. by playing around with things that you are instinctively aware of and so that's what started to happen and um another changing point in my life was when i was 18 um my mom went into prison again and uh this is a whole different situation you know my mom's a beautiful woman I love her so much this is just I think Satan's way of trying to tamper into our lives but um she went into prison again and my life just went a little bit downhill from that point I got involved in drugs I was just a lot of sexual sin and was living a lifestyle of moral corruption really I just I tend to just started to say, well, everything, all the truth is on the dark side. And that's what I started to enter into. Yeah, the darker side, I started um, partying a lot and uh, started doing drugs, uh, started doing a lot of cocaine, was hanging out with drug dealers. And I thought that, you know, well, this is just, you know, this is where all the truth must be and all the things that are forbidden. And that's, that's kind of where I just spent a bit of my, my life. But then there came a point, and, and at that time I was still so heavy into, into mystical spirituality, but I almost had an obsession of understanding people's minds, what creates people to be who they are, and just started learning more about 
um, what drives people's motives and yeah, it was trying to kind of attach that to my spirituality. And I was a huge believer in reincarnation. So the belief that we are here over many lifetimes, I was a believer in the journey of the soul so that, you know, your, your soul matures and it ages as you go throughout life, different lifetimes, you go through different experiences. You have to, you know, the older that your soul is and the longer amount of times that it's been, uh, the, the greater amount of lifetimes that your soul has experienced means that you have to endure even harsher trials and um, harsher experiences in this life to be able to grow even more. So just all these beliefs that just locked me into the idea that, hey, everything evil that happens in my life is ordained. I've, my soul signed up for it. I was already prepared for this I signed a soul contract before I even came onto this earth and some people might be watching this thinking this is absolutely crazy but it is so common to hold these belief systems when you're in the new age it is so so common and I think it's Satan's way of masquerading the evil that he actually inflicts upon people himself and has people thinking that no your soul actually signed up for this when you came here so you have to endure it so anything that could be, you know, for instance, what we know now as Christians walking in the truth is spiritual oppression, such as uh, nightmares and evil thoughts and lust and things driving us, um, particularly, yeah, just nightmares, headaches, all these kinds of things we know is demonic oppression in the world of new age this this is actually ascension symptoms and these are symptoms that you are evolving spiritually and you are releasing your shadow self and just satan's way of constructing so many different forms of deception within the one box so that you can just not really be aware of his existence of his effect on your life and that's the thing in the new age satan disguises himself he's not real in the new age, heaven and hell are merely a state of mind. They're not eternal dwelling places. Man creates their own heaven and their own hell based upon their own choices, their level of consciousness, how they choose to live. Um, even the idea of sin is taboo in the world of new age because it imposes guilt and shame. The, the greatest sin in the new age is ignorance to your own godhood, ignorance to your own divinity ignorance to um your own personal power the another greatest like sin in the new age is um judgment judging others whereas biblically we're called to righteous judgment it's it's a good thing to be able to say to someone hey you shouldn't be doing drugs it's bad for you we can we can righteously judge someone and say hey that's not good for you but in the world of new age, you don't, you don't judge. We're called to love one another, accept one another, um, which, of course, even biblically, we're called to love one another. Um, but within the new age, it's in a way that we don't question anything. We don't question any beliefs. We don't try and figure out the absolute truth. Truth is completely uh, subjective in the world of new age. So we can both have different truths that oppose each other and so 
yeah, that's, that's what started to happen. And then um, when I was, I went to Mexico and I went to Egypt for a little bit, just trying to find mystical truth. I was so intrigued by pyramids, trying to find the answers there. I came back and something was just pulling me away from the lifestyle that I was living, telling me that this wasn't the plan that um, was prepared for my life. And one day my car got stolen while I was in, in, the, in one of the cities where I used to hang out. And uh, at that point I knew that there was a divine, something divine had just happened to prevent me from living the lifestyle that I was living and was urging me to go back home. And I respected that. And I wanted to live a life that was less sinful. And as soon as I adhere to that, all these, these demons, they just turned against me. So I definitely felt that I had unclean spirits trying to set up a life for me that was uh, not of God. And as soon as I walked away from it, they completely turned against me whether it was my spirit guides, whether which uh, demonic spirits anyway. Yeah. Um, you started attacking you? Attacking me severely. I had experiences where like my soul, it was literally like my soul was elevating above my physical body and my waking life. Everything looked so much smaller. I was having thoughts, suicidal thoughts, attacking me every single day, telling me to die. Uh, telling me that things would be easy if I killed myself. And I know that these weren't my thoughts. Mm -hmm. I knew knew that they weren't mine. And I I woke up in the middle of the night. I couldn't get any sleep and was just going through one of the hardest times um, in my life. And I, I couldn't figure out what it was. But then in my own new age deception, I was like, well, I'm about to meet my twin flame. And that is another new age concept that talks about your divine soul counterpart. So at one point at the beginning of the world, your soul was one and then it split into two parts, the feminine and the masculine. And then those two halves spend lifetimes trying to find each other again. It's meant to be this once in a lifetime, very rare connection of literally the other half of your soul. And so in order for that to take place, there needed to be a soul purge. And that's what I thought was happening. All these evil things were just my soul purging because I'm about to meet my twin flame. And a soul purge is like when you get rid of things that no longer serve you, you're getting rid of the darkness and all the evil that's going on in your aura. And essentially that's what's happening. And the devil met me there. So a couple of weeks later, I met someone and we got into a relationship after that and we were convinced we were each other's twin flame and it was a very new age relationship and we were just so heavily involved in all things mystical. We would go buy tarot cards or, well, um, different cards together like spell cards, um, all sorts of cards, crystals. I remember our first date was going to like a psychic expo and yeah it was just a very new age relationship and he was very talented with wood so he he knew how to make a lot of things with wood and he said one day let's build an altar we could cast spells we could cast white magic and I thought it was the greatest idea ever he went to the beach one day he found a stone he carved something on it 
And out of all the things that he carved, he carved a pentagram, which is uh, the symbol of Satanism. And I'm sure he wasn't aware of it at the time. I certainly wasn't. I thought it was really cool. And he was putting this stone in different elements of the earth in the backyard. And I was for it. I, at that time, I, did, I didn't know. I just was a passionate New Ager and thought that this was a really cool thing that he was doing. Uh, knowing now it was complete witchcraft and opened so many doorways, demonic doorways for oppression. So that's what started to happen from that point. Ever since he did that and, and the symbol was carved onto that rock, we started having pointless arguments and there was just oppression in the atmosphere. And one day I started to see these flickering lights, these orbs, well, I thought they were orbs, but it was really Satan just trying to put on a little bit of a show to catch my attention. And so I started to, I brought that up to him and I said, do you see these lights? And he said, no. And then 10 minutes passed and I started to see them again. I said, do you see them? He said, no, but let, let's invite them in. They might be angels. And so he verbally invited these entities in. He said, you know, come, uh, hey, if you're here, come here, something like that. I really can't remember how it went. But as soon as he did that, this darkness just appeared in the atmosphere and it was outside. We were sitting in his room and this darkness is outside where he was like putting this rock into the earth. And if you have ever seen black, this was blacker than the blackest black you could ever see. It was just pure darkness. And I locked eyes with this darkness and I couldn't shift my gaze. It was just as if it had captured my eyesight, it had captured my gaze and there was no moving it. It was just locked. He had to be like, Steph, stop looking at the window. And I was like, it went mute. I went mute from that point as if like I could no longer talk. I was now starting to discern things in the spiritual realm. and. I think that's something that I've always been very sensitive of is the spiritual reality and discernment of the atmosphere. And that's what happened at that point is just I could no longer talk. It was just like trying to get information, what's happening right now, what's happening in the, in the atmosphere. And he closed the window. He was going frantic and I had a voice just tell me, get onto the corner of the bed now. And so I sat on the corner of the bed and he came back in and he said, Stephanie, don't worry. We are protected. And as soon as he said that, this dark demonic spirit just completely, actually first there was an audible voice that emerged from the left side of where we were sitting and immediately possessed him. And uh, wow. he immediately possessed him and he got up and he started smashing the window that I was looking at. Blood was being splattered everywhere. and I felt these wings just come over me, like protecting me. I couldn't, I couldn't even move. Like I wanted to just like come up and be like, what, you know, what is going on? But I was so still where I was. And I, I definitely. Sorry to cut inside. you Inside the, the house. Okay. Yeah, we were in his bedroom. This is at night though. Pardon? This is at night inside your house though. Inside, no, it was his house his bedroom oh, okay. You're right. okay. yeah yeah so uh 
this was at, at his house. Um, and yeah, five seconds later, he drops himself on the floor. Blood is everywhere. And we're just both in shock at what happened. Um, after that, he had to get stitches and we're thinking, okay, we're in the new age. We're going, what is that? What was that darkness? How do we cleanse ourselves spiritually from what just happened? And I was in shock because we had sage, we had crystals, we had, you know, I was protecting myself with white light, all of these things. How can I do all of that? And how did that experience, how can I connect that experience to this enlightened spirituality that I've been following? This was pure evil and it was pure darkness. And now I need to know how do I reconcile that with my worldview? I was starting to see flaws in what I was believing. That experience absolutely shook me in a way that I didn't know as much as I thought I did. And, I, and for seven years, I studied the new age obsessively. That experience is what needed to happen to shake up my beliefs because I was confident that something like that wasn't even um, possible. Like that was darkness. That was just pure evil. And so um, we call his friend's mum who was a, into Reiki and she had this Reiki master that she really had a lot of respect for, thought he was really great. We went to her house. He had us sitting down, doing a ritual, trying to cleanse ourselves from any negative entities that may have attached us, themselves onto us. And, and, and what do you do in the new age? We sat down. Well, he, he was instructed to go get rid of that talisman. That's what, that's what that rock was called, the talisman that we had with the, with the symbol, right? And she made me sit down with an incense stick under the instruction of the Reiki master. Now, I know that they probably thought the same thing that I did, that, hey, like this is actually what helps to um, cleanse your aura. And it's a common deception within the yeah. new age that, you know, so it's, it's just an ignorant, um, you know, believing this in ignorance. So in their worldview, this is what would have helped. But knowing now just as a Christian... Yeah, you're just bringing more demons in your life by doing that. Exactly. It doesn't really do anything. Um, and if it does, it's it's probably demons backing off a little bit to make you believe that, hey, this actually does something. Seven. But it never actually gets rid of them, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm sitting there with an incense stick in my hand just... You know, it's it's dark, it's it's late at night, and this is when we're doing this ritual. We were kind of desperate at that point, just like, hey, we need to be cleansed. And so I'm sitting on a chair with an incense stick while she's on the phone. She's talking to this Reiki guy, just receiving more information. She's nodding her head, not saying much. Um, and in that silence that was exchanged between us, which lasted for a while, I'm having more revelations about just how flawed this whole worldview is. And I never, ever thought that I would come to those realizations in the new age because I was a passionate advocate for new age teaching. And I would talk about it to everyone. I would try and help people to understand their own personal power, love talking, all things astrology, anything with anyone that I came across. I'm always up for that subject. I found it hard to talk about anything else. I was so invested in serving the universe, serving this spirituality. And now I was having the greatest like revelations of the holes in the things that I believed and 
was starting to question everything that I had spent so much time learning and investigating and teaching and practicing and was just shocked at the things that um, I was starting to, to doubt. And after that, I spoke to that Reiki guy and he said something like, you can't help people every time you do. You're taking on their karma. You're going to end up in a psychiatric ward. Because a common lie in New Ageism is you help someone, you're actually in, intervening in their karma. This could be them, their karma getting resolved when they go through evil in their life and you helping them is hindering that. <laughs> so mm-hmm. just, you know, just more demonic lies. And so one thing he said is you need to go to a church and spend an hour in front of an altar. And so we did. We spent an hour in front of an altar. But when we did, we came. Um, and I walked up to the doors of the church and I remember I immediately started bawling my eyes out. The spirit of God just pierced me and I had a revelation. Oh, my goodness. I have turned my back on God because before that I was actually having Jesus pop up into my spirit and he was the one I was seeking now. So as soon as I, I came to the doors of that church, it was like, that's it revelation and I just started pouring my eyes out he was no longer even just in my awareness I ran up to the front of the altar dropped myself before God and was weeping heavily just I am so sorry I turned my back on you I turned my back on the one and true living God felt wretched I felt like I was so undeserving to be in his presence and was heartbroken over how loyal I was to the new age and how far I turned my back against the creator of all things and was just weeping, weeping, weeping. And that's when he said, Stephanie, go to the back of the church, get a pen, get a paper and meet me back here. And I went to the back of the church, managed to find a pen and a piece of paper and he wrote a letter to me. He said, you are forgiven. I love you. Just a beautiful letter. And since that point, the spirit of God has led me to repent of all new ageism. I started throwing everything away. That relationship ended. God started to deliver me from um, relationships that were not from him, whether it was friendships. He started to, um, yeah, just really separate me. And show me the deception behind new ageism and that's been a huge passion of mine because coming to the cross coming to the cross I had seven years worth of knowledge in the new age and only one knowledge that and, and only the revelation that hey Jesus Christ is the truth and I held on to that and I said Lord I know you are the truth and I need that to guide me and to just cleanse me from every bit of life every bit of deception that I'm holding on to and that's what started to happen. I still didn't even know the difference between Christianity or Catholicism. The Lord had to show me and reveal me that. And that's just become a part of the testimony as well now to be able to um, show other brothers and sisters or just people who I'm ministering to the deception within Catholicism alongside the deception of the new age. And I think that's a powerful thing about a, a testimony, Ali, is that often God uses the things that we've experienced and the things that we went through to guide us and to um, 
reveal to us things that we can actually show other people and help bring them out of darkness and bring them out of uh, deception. So I just, yeah, I give God all of the glory because it's only by his grace that, that he's shown me the truth and it takes repentance. It takes, you know, acknowledging and turning away from darkness and desiring truth with, with your whole heart. Um, and yeah, I'm passionate now about exposing new ageism because I know how well-crafted it is. I wasn't just dabbling for the sake of wanting personal power. I was also very convinced that it was the truth and that it was the highest form of spirituality. And to know that I was deceived for such a long time is one of the greatest reasons now why I'm, I'm so grateful to God that he has revealed to me the truth, which you look into now and you realize the deception behind new ageism. And it's so obvious that it's set up by Satan. Yeah. What's what's the biggest uh, what's the biggest uh, deception that you see in the Catholic Church? The biggest deception uh, within the Catholic Church is there's so many. Um, it's salvation by works. Mm -hmm. They 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 don't actually believe that you're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. It's salvation by works. You need to. Um, constantly go to confessionals confess your sins to a priest can't find any passage in scripture that suggests that you need to uh uh you need to do the sacraments in order to be saved so unless you've had your baptism your confirmation there's no salvation outside of the catholic church in their eyes because you need to undergo the sacraments in order to actually receive salvation um you need to constantly be attending the masses and they believe that Jesus actually comes into the little wafer cookie that mm -hmm. they give to people that that's his actual body. Now he's actually in that cookie and you need to have it in that wafer. Um, and yeah, it, it's a sad thing. You ask any Catholic and say, Hey, God forbid, if something was to happen today and you were to um, drop dead, do you know that you'd be with the Lord? The answer is no. And that's, that's sad because biblically we know we can know. Perfect. Yeah, salvation um, is through understanding the testimony of Jesus Christ, having faith in it, repenting from our sin, confessing it before the Lord. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, I did a video. I talk about uh, purgatory, you know, how to Purgatory kind of, as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's deception. And um, because... <laughs> What purgatory does is that you uh, you go to hell, and then you you are purified. Yeah. And once God is satisfied, then you come into heaven. So what purgatory does, it gives people an excuse, like it, it, it gives them a reason not to submit, not to live a holy life, not to live yeah. a sanctified life, because you know, in the afterlife, you will purify your sin and then you'll go to heaven eventually you end up in heaven so yeah it's one of the biggest deception that yeah a lot of catholic believes and, and yeah. that's the thing that i had to preach on it because i see too many people that's buying into that because the thing is a lot of us you know we don't want to give up our past sins you know even you know most people don't want to give up the sin 
they don't want to forsake the sin. Yeah. So even it, it, that's the reason why Jesus said that uh, the path that leads to eternal life, the broad path that leads to eternal life, very few people will find it. The and narrow the, path. Right, right, the narrow path, right. Yeah. The narrow path that leads to eternal life, very few will yeah. find it. The broad path, many will find it, right? Because the latest to destruction. Right. So the one that leads to destruction, many people will find it because a lot of us, yeah. we want to do things our way and not mm-hmm. make you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that is one of the greatest parts, elements of our fallen nature is not wanting to repent from sin, but wanting to be God over our own life and having that freedom to be comfortable in our own sin mm-hmm. and not to be uh, sanctified and not having to repent. And, you know, it's, it's hard to say what is, the, what is the greatest deception in Catholicism because there's, there's just so many. They're, they're, the whole approach is contrary to scripture, you yeah. know, whether it's purgatory, even confessionals where, yeah. you know, okay, so I can confess my sin and then I can go live however I want right. until the next confessional, I'll just confess it again. Yeah. So there's no real desire to reflect the image of the Lord, to reflect the image of Christ. Um, we're taught to, you know, once once we give our life to the Lord, it's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. We're to crucify our flesh to the cross and every single day resist the flesh and walk in the spirit so we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And and, the <laughs> yeah. yeah, carry our cross, exactly, and um, put on Jesus Christ to, to reflect his image, to turn away from wickedness. Repentance is not just a one-time thing. It's an everyday thing in the life of a christian repenting from wickedness repenting from the things that god is revealing in our hearts and i think that shows someone who truly knows the lord and loves the lord because as the bible says if you love me you'll keep my commandments and and i think a lot of people realize that people who get involved in new age and uh, witchcraft and yeah. voodoo whatever it is they don't realize that and just not just those people who get involved in those things, just anybody who's living a simple life, they don't realize that they give the enemy power over them. You know, so mm-hmm. Satan and his demons are controlling you when you're lying, when you, you know, commit adultery, you want whatever sin that you're doing, you give him the, that power over you. They control yeah. you, now, you know, so mm-hmm. you don't want, that's the reason why you have to live a godly life because you don't want the enemy to have any power over you. And unfortunately, people don't, don't realize that, you know, sin may be fun. It may be, uh, you know, fun for a season, but it's going to lead to your destruction. You know, it's going to lead Definitely. to separation from, from God. And I don't care if you live a life where you were very successful. You had a lot of money, your kids, everybody was healthy. You lived to be 85 years old. Well, once you reject your creator, you know, you don't have nothing to do. You don't know. You never cultivate a relationship with, with Christ. Then you perish. Just like Jesus said, what is it for the man to get in the world but to lose his soul, right? What mm-hmm. are you doing for your soul? Mm-hmm. So, you know, people need to realize that the Bible told, God told me one time, I was, was going to put out a video. Uh, I was, you know, I put a video out last week. Well, I mean, yeah, a few days ago, I talk about you know, sexually transmitted demons. I talk about having sex outside of marriage. How you are, um, you know, your soul is being tied to that person. And then when you're having sex with that person, they are a demonic spirit. 
that's part of that's taking part of that. And most people don't realize that because they don't know sex is more than physical, it's a spiritual thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So become one of that person where we have sex with. So I, I spoke on that last week. I put a video out on that last week, but before I did that, I was gonna put a video on that. The Lord told me to talk about don't get left behind. I think a lot of people don't realize that we are living in the last days. So you don't want to get behind. Um, So I talk about about the rapture and and trying to explain to people that it's not worth it. It's more, it's not worth it to live a life of um, ungodliness, of rebellion, because you spend eternity away from God. Yeah. And yeah, so it just, you're going to be with a demonic spirit that that, that have control over you. So you have to fight and, and ask the Lord for forgiveness and and he's going to send the Holy The Holy Ghost is more than happy to help you out. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, as the Bible says, this life is like a vapor. It's a vanishing mist. It's here one moment and gone the next. You know, it's like grass. It springs up forth and then withers away. It's so short compared so- to eternity and our soul is eternal so the choices that we make in this life are influencing and impacting where we spend our eternity and even the purification process here is preparing us for eternity so i think that god doesn't hide himself from anyone the bible says that um the invisible things of him are clearly seen being understood by the things which are made even his eternal power and godhead so that they are without excuse. No one is without excuse for not knowing God. Oh. Creation testifies to the existence of a creator, mm-hmm. but some people just don't desire truth. The Bible says that if you, um, and you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart, someone needs to desire to know God with their whole heart. They need to desire truth with their whole heart. And if they do, God has promised to reveal himself in a deeper way. But the issue is, is that a lot of people, they don't desire truth. They desire things that actually appeal to them. So I looked at, you know, for for ages, I struggled with new ageism in the sense that like, you know, I thought that, hey, like everyone's just ignorantly deceived. And then I thought, you know, there is a lot of deception that happens within the new ageism. And a lot of people can be ignorantly deceived. But if someone truly loves the truth, they will come to Jesus Christ. The important question to ask a new ager is if Jesus Christ or if Christianity truly was the only path to eternal life, would you become a Christian? So depending upon the answer is like depending whether or not they're actually within the new age because they believe it's the truth or because they like the personal power that it gives them. And this is the thing with new ageism is a lot of people who enter into the new age, they have that spiritual craving that desire for spiritual nourishment but they don't want the confounds of god's commandments and they don't want the moral accountability that comes with christianity and within the new age is a lot more freedom because you're able to pick and choose between any belief system any spirituality any religion in the world and make your own custom truth Mm -hmm. so things that appeal to you and your desires and then you hear things such as you know create your dream reality or be the master of your own reality and what satan is trying to do is lure people into the idea that they don't need god that they they are their own god that uh, the god of the bible is the true enemy 
the devil doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. There is no hell. Your life, you know, your soul is eternal. We all go to the same place. Religious pluralism doesn't matter how you live your life. We all go to the same place. Love one another, accept one another, make everyone comfortable in their sin. Don't judge. Um, Just all of these things that completely pervert God's truth, which and the commandments that he set in place for our protection. And exactly like you said, Ali, you know, there is a spiritual um, encounter that takes place when you do become sexually intimate with someone. Um, whether or not you're exchanging demons is not really like said in scripture, but you could assume so because, yeah. you know, it's not explicitly described in scripture. Oh, so it's right. just really assumption. But um, right. yeah, it's definitely well, spiritual. Yeah, the like reason I said. Was, yeah, the reason I put that up is because um, people who's involved in witchcraft, who's involved in voodoo, and, and they say that, they say that's what happened. They say they are demonic spirits. Yeah. That, that's, 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 you know, that's in the room. And yeah. they say sometimes they take part into that because he's, they say that um, yeah. because there's an exchange that goes on because the yeah. demons, they need blood. That's the reason why they, they do um, animal sacrifice. And they also need... Um, um, sperm so sperm those give them energy so that's the reason yeah. why when you have sex a guy's not supposed to put a condom away so those are people yeah. that serve those type of um, spirit so yeah. they giving that information out the enemy does not want somebody like myself to do that information because what happened is one time one of them i was watching youtube they was talking about stuff like that and i would just keep you know uh, uh you know take absorbing it in taking it in and then I went to bed, I was attacked. Um, demonic spirits attacked me. They, yeah. I felt like they were was, was choking me. So um, wow. what happened is I try not to be ignorant, but I, I don't want to be ignorant of the devil's scheme. At the same yeah. time, I don't spend a lot of time on it, but if somebody, because I'm, I'm the type of person who always want to learn, I want to know my enemy. I want to know a lot about my enemy, you know, how yeah. he operates and so, you know what I'm saying? I want to know those things. Like, that's why the Bible said, do not be ignorant. You want to know yeah. how your enemy operates. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, just going as well off what you said before, Ali, about, you know, people who are, who need to, you know, come out of the, the darkness. Like, you know, Satan, the, there's a certain power that Satan has over someone's life when, when, when they're not in Christ. It's like, yeah, because... Um, those who are unsaved so if you're someone who's watching this and you're not saved it's like you're walking in the darkness although you don't realize you're walking in the darkness because satan as the bible says has blinded the minds of unbelievers to the point where you can even think you're walking in the light but you're not because the light that you could be pursuing is a false light Um, and that's what the new age is is a false enlightenment so I think the one thing that pulls people out of the darkness is the love for the truth right. and the, the desire to actually get to know their, their creator or to even, you know, God gave us logical minds to be able to logically find him, although he exists outside of logic and reason. We can look at things and go, hey, there is a creator. Mm-hmm. We are not just meat and flesh. We have a spiritual body. We have a soul. Where does that soul go? And just starting to ask yourself questions because Satan does have con- like uh, a lot of influence over the life of someone who is not in the Lord. Because this blessed book that I hold in my hand, 
is the truth and it is able to expel all darkness and to reveal to you the truth about what's really, really going on. So if you don't know the truth and you don't have the spirit of truth dwelling within you, then you are so susceptible to deception and your identity is even often formed by saying you've got astrology or just, you know, like sin and you think that that's actually who you are. That's why a lot of people, especially who um, practice homosexuality, they'll say I was born this way. You know, that they genuinely think that that's who God created them to be. But the Bible says that he in Christ is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. God is the only one that has that true identity. So without him, we can't be sure that who we think we are is actually who God created us to be. We can only make assumptions. And a lot of that is just guided by by sin and you know lustful pleasures and then you've got the way that this world is set up the deceitfulness of riches it's deceiving because as the bible says naked we came into this world and naked shall we return thither like we don't take anything with us to eternity so even even the love of money and um, the pursuit of worldly gain is is a deception in itself um, when that becomes to rule you because you don't get to take anything with it the only thing you should ever really desire more than anything in life is is the truth and if you pursue that you'll find god you'll find jesus i talk about that i talk about the deception of being rich and i did a video about that because yeah. what happens once the person start becoming rich they put their trust in that money so it's like mm-hmm. something's going wrong they always say oh i have a lot of money i'll be okay yeah. And even us, even us as believers, we have to be careful when it comes to that too, because we may have some money in our savings and we think everything's okay, but we don't want to put our trust in our money. So I'm guilty of that sometimes too, um, you know, because I had to, I move my money around and, you know, have money in, in the Swiss account. So I had to, I'm always trying to keep track of what's going on with the Swiss uh, um the Swiss francs, if it's going down, if it's going up, or what's going on with the euro, what's going on with the dollars, I'm always moving my money around because of that. But I have to not get consumed by that. I, I cannot be um, obsessed with that because, you know, that's 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 the work of the enemy, you know, because yeah. I cannot place my trust on things, you know, on money, on anything else that's not, you know, yeah. you know I have to place my trust on, on, on the Lord. And one thing um, a lot of pastors do not talk about demons and angels. And, 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 and if you read the Bible, the first thing that Jesus did was casting out demons. I think that was one of the first miracles he did was casting out a demon. And uh, when he took when he cast out the demons, he sent it into the pigs. So yeah. the spiritual world is real. We cannot, a lot of pastors don't, don't preach on hell. A lot of pastors do not preach on demons and angels. You have to talk about those things because it's in the Bible. Yeah. You know, the first thing Jesus did, like I said, he cast out demons and then he, uh, throughout the Bible, he's casting out demons. Yeah. And you even know? the very, yeah, sorry, yeah. what were you saying? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, um, I was just, yeah. we thought we had to talk about it. That's all I was saying. Yeah. Um, it, well, the first thing Jesus even said was repent (laughs) and that even even that is something we don't hear in the church a lot today exactly and yeah um 
so just even looking at his ministry, he taught about hell more than anyone in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> that was something about that judgment is, a lot. The, the Lord talks about judgment a lot. He talks about judgment a lot, yeah. And mm. yet there's this stigma around judging. You know, yeah. we're not called to unrighteous judgment. We're called to righteous judgment. You know, they take, um, they take that verse from Matthew, I believe, or... Yeah, it says, "Judge not, that you may not be. Yeah, that you may yeah. not be judged. For yeah. with whatever measure you judge, um, yeah, chapter seven. Right. Judge not, that you may not be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And then they leave it there. And then they right. leave it there. <laughs> they leave it there. Yeah. So the thing about the word of God is, we need to read it in context. Yeah. So what it continues to talk about." Yeah. It says, and why beholdest thou the mote in, in thy brother's eye? Yeah. And uh, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Then he goes to say, you know, how wilt thou say to thy brother, let yeah. me pull out the mote out of thine eye? And behold, the beam is in thine own eye. So yeah. it's talking about hypocritical judgment. Right, exactly. Calling someone out on their sin right. when you're struggling with the same sin and saying, right. first conquer your own sin, right. get over that sin, so then you are able to properly help exactly. your brother out who's exactly. going through the same thing. Um, but they just want to start with the first part and, and, and leave out the rest because they don't yes. want yeah they don't want to turn away from the sin that's why yeah yeah and the thing about the word of God is you know you can take a scripture and just you know use it but you have to read everything in context and compare scripture with scripture to be able to understand everything that it's it's saying because you know yeah I can just take out one thing and give it a whole new meaning but that doesn't make it true just because I've taken a verse out of the Bible. It's like the verse itself is true, but it needs to be um, read in context and it needs to be read in light of the rest of the word. Um, and I think a big reason why hell's not preached is because in the modern translations, the word hell is actually taken out. If they use like Hades, it's just not really talked about much. They change it to other words or they take it out. Mm-hmm. And it's lukewarm Christianity as well. A lot of yeah. people appreciate numbers numbers the money that's coming in they don't really want to say things that could convict people or lessen the numbers in their church yeah. um yeah hard yeah this lady, this lady on uh on youtube said that the lord told her about 10 percent of christians really belong to him he said only about 10 percent are really into it uh, like really actually love and really willing to die i uh, really hardcore uh, I don't real deal for him. That's what she said. She said the Lord told her about ten percent, and I think yeah. that's I think that makes sense. I mean, when you really think about it, when you go to a church, there may be a lot of people in that church, but how many of them are really going home, reading the Bible every day, praying, you know, doing all those things? You know, yeah. it's not a whole lot of us. I mean, because yeah. when you look up the Bible, even said that um, Jesus said three out of four people will reject the gospel. You know, when he talks about the uh, the seed, you know, the seed that was, um, you know. The yeah, seed, the st- Right. Mm-hmm. One, one seed is the, the, the riches because of money. They left the, uh, you know, they left the, they, they reject the gospel. One, because of the cares of this life. The other mm-hmm. one, um, you know, they, 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 you know, like they was talking about the different kinds of seed. I don't have the verses in front of me, but you know what I'm yeah, talking about. The stony ground, the thorny ground. Right. Uh, and the good ground. Yeah. That the good ground. Right. But it was only one, right? It was only one seed that produced 
uh, a multiple. For, yeah. Right. The rest of the scene did not put, you know, did not. One got, yeah. One got scorched. One got choked. Yeah. Um, so when the enemy came and took it away. Right. The, right. Exactly. The enemy took it while he was sleeping. One, the cares of this life. The other one, because of money, the riches, they left the, 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 the yeah. gospel. They would take the gospel because of money. Yeah. So that's. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's um, yeah. Well, we had a great conversation. You got it. <laughs> so, um, you know, we'll do yeah. this. You know, definitely. I loved it. And um, if yeah, if there's anyone here that's finding themselves in in New Ageism, or you know, just even practicing New Ageism, like this is your truth. <laughs> This is the truth by which you measure all things. This is our spiritual lens, our spiritual glasses by which we measure everything too. And the greatest deception that Satan can try and convince people is that they are God over their own life, that they do not need God. We are all going to come into judgment and we're not capable of being God in, of our own life. It's just not what we were designed to, to be. And a lot of these teachings in the New Age are satan's way of perverting the truth and keeping people away from the love and truth that is in jesus and the way to know what is deception in this world is to grow closer to god and and have him reveal to you the truth in his word mm -hmm. as you as you do that just expels all darkness so that's just um what i wanted to say and thank you so much ali for having me I really, really appreciate it. I have Thanks a brother so. in I have a brother in Mexico now. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's <was> <laughs> yeah. awesome. Thanks a lot, guys, for watching.